I think all sensible people have the British Constitution as one of their hobbies. It is the most interesting uh, matter to, to discuss and be informed about. As Dicey said, Dicey argued, it is Parliament that is the defender of the liberties of the people, of our ancient constitution and of our freedoms. I, I give way. Hello, this is Jacob Rees-Mogg. The Chamber of the House of Commons lies at the heart of our parliamentary democracy. It is the place where so much of our national history has played out, and while its atmosphere has been somewhat dampened by the restrictions forced on us by the coronavirus, it remains the place where members continue to debate the most pressing issues of the day. In this episode, I am delighted to be joined by a Member of Parliament who has shown his commitment to the Chamber over many years. Jim Shannon is the Member of Parliament for Strangford, and I'm delighted to be able to speak to him from his home. Hello, Jim. Hello, Jacob. Nice to hear your voice. Uh, nice to see you as well, even better, you know. Thank you. Thank you. The first thing, Jim, is to inquire after your health, because we had no idea when we arranged this interview to talk about your love of the Chamber that some rather unfortunate circumstances have led to you being prevented from being here. <clears throat> I hope you're bearing up at home. Uh, I am, yeah. I'm in, I'm in perfect health. Uh, I'm very fortunate. Um, uh, to be honest with you, and Jacob, you know myself, I, I trust uh, a greater power, and so do you, uh, and, and uh, he's in control. So uh, I, I have his protection, and I am tested and negative. I have no symptoms whatsoever. And indeed, uh, 10 days into the contact, after the contact with the said person, uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm feeling great, and I'm looking forward eagerly to getting back to Westminster. Thank you. Well, that, that, that's absolutely great. But I hear there are two greater powers that have been looking after you, uh, one of them being Mrs. Shannon. Well, uh, it's a bit of a challenge now, Jacob. Uh, um, I wouldn't spend this much time at home, so uh, uh, I'm hoping at the end of this, uh, this, this two weeks it's, uh, or thereabouts that she'll be able to say, I'm, I, I really enjoyed my time with you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We'll wait to see, we'll wait to see how, that, how, that, uh, how that works out. Well, um, let's move on to the conversation. Uh, and perhaps might, we might begin with something that we both went through in 2010, the process of getting accustomed to being in the chamber and all the various rules and procedures of the House. Here's a clip from my recent conversation with Robert Rogers, Lord Lisbane, who became Clerk of the House in 2011. I don't have a complete set of Erskine May here um, <coughs> at home in Herefordshire, but uh, I always used to go back to the early editions of May because very often... Uh, something would have been viewed slightly differently, practice might have changed, and then a subsequent editor of May said, well, I don't think I'm going to give that house room in my edition. But it can be a fascinating lesson as to how the house's practice has developed, and uh, indeed, to use the word again, accreted over the years. Jim, of course you had been a member of the Legislative Assembly before becoming a Member of Parliament. So you probably took the Commons Chamber like a duck to water. I, I was very fortunate, Jacob, to, to have had um, 26 years as a councillor um, and also 12 years as an assembly member, which ran consecutively. Uh, so I had a lot of opportunities to, to progress from a chamber of the council that had, um, had 21 members to the assembly that had 108 members to, uh, uh, Westminster with 650 members. Truthfully, 
I was dead nervous. Uh, I, I certainly was. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you'd moved from this different class size to another class size to a larger class size again. So I was very conscious of the, of, of and, and maybe a bit, a bit nervous in the chamber. The day I made my maiden speech, I remember very well, my wife and, the, and my PPS and some other friends I have were all over. Uh, and, and I can recall it well. I, I got up to speak and my stomach was doing somersaults, 10 to the dozen. Um, and, and, um, I, but whenever I spoke, I realised then that I could do it. Uh, now I'm still nervous. I, I still get nervous, uh, and, and that's a good thing because it keeps you sharp. Um, and yeah, it's an incredible privilege and an and incredible honour uh, to be the member of Parliament. Uh, I'm. No, there wouldn't be one day, Jacob, one day in my life at Westminster when I walk across that bridge from a hotel that I don't say, "Wow." Big, big wow. It's, it's, it's incredible. I, I completely agree with that. I, 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 the sensation of walking into Westminster Hall is one I always find incredibly uplifting and a reminder of the privilege that we have. And we, we, we both got in at the same time. Was there anyone particularly you took advice from when you got in? Did you speak to the clerks um, or other members of Parliament to find your way around the House? Um, uh, probably my own uh, colleagues would be my first port of contact, but be honest with you, people are always very busy. So I was probably um, uh, guided through by some of the Labour Party members. Um, um, Paul Goggins would be one who's dead and gone. Um, um, Stephen Pound would have been a, a great friend as well. Um, I fell in with Fiona Bruce very early on, uh, and, and, and Fiona and I have, have a very, very similar outlook in life. Indeed, I think we probably mirror each other in many ways. So uh, I, my, my contact with her, also with uh, um, anyone who uh, would have had um, uh, pro probably um, motivation for me is to help others. It always has been, it's always been my, my, my go-to job. So whenever we got the chance to be there, um, uh, Mr. Speaker, which would have been John Burke, who also was very friendly with me. Uh, he, he forgave me many times, Jacob, for using the word you. I, I used to use it regularly. Indeed, I, I sometimes use it, didn't even know I was doing it. Uh, so he always very gently chided me uh, and, and, and uh, um, reminded me of the of the rules of the house and, and the protocol. So yeah, I, I, I I love learning the protocol. I will still be learning in Westminster if God spares me to whatever time I'll be here. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful place. Indeed, last week, I think it was, I uh, under the new COVID-19, uh, I got up. Uh, to ask an intervention and my colleague Carla Lockhart but I was sitting in the back where, where the um, uh, that looks on towards the speaker and, and you're not able to ask so whenever I got up to uh, ask for an intervention um, I right away I knew whenever uh, the Deputy Speaker Nigel Evans had uh, said to me uh, step forward so Margaret Ferrier was and incidentally her and I swapped positions and then he says to me now take two so I did take two and I asked for my intervention with, with so learning every day. Um, I told the Mr. Deputy Speaker, I says, I'm still learning indeed, Mr. Deputy Speaker, uh, as, as a, as a, as a learning curve for us all. And I've been learning for every time I've been here. So yes, I do learn. I learn every day, every day. Oh, and one of the things that you learned that lots of members don't learn is the power of the chamber and its ability to be used to influence events. Many MPs use the chamber a lot when they're first elected and then sort of wander away to do other things. What drove you to have such commitment to the chamber and to use its strength for the benefit of your constituents so consistently? Um, well, we, we probably... Um, uh, 
do we, we look at the debates? My, my uh, Naomi, who's my PPS, her and I would sit together and go through the the program for the following week. Uh, we we uh, then pick out the subjects that we wish to speak on. Um, I have a wide variety of subjects I wish to speak on, but the motivation for all of those, uh, Jacob, would be would be things that happen in my constituency office. So whether it's uh, DWP, whether it's uh, universal credit, whether it's planning matters, I know planning is a default matter, but there, there are many similarities between ourselves and back home as well. Um, fishing issues, agriculture issues, uh, human rights issues, uh, quality issues. Um, I, I uh, would find I can always have uh, an example from, from Strangford constituency in all those years, those vast years as a councillor and also as, as an assembly member uh, and use that as my question to the minister. Uh, and, and, and also, I... I, I um, I love the chamber, but I'm a person that loves protocol. I love tradition. I, I, I just, I, I just think it's wonderful to be, to have the privilege to be there and, and enjoy that. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I've, uh, find that the chamber, and I've sat in the chamber there the week before last, I sat in the chamber for eight hours one day, uh, from the questions in the morning right through to the adjournment debate at night. And the chamber makes a difference, doesn't it? That if you raise something in the chamber, it is more powerful than if you, raise it in the newspaper or even in Westminster Hall. What do you think the magic of the chamber is? Well, I think the magic of the chamber is that you have the minister there, number one. Uh, and, and therefore, you, and, and by the way, I, I, I've found over the years, I've always found this, and I, I, I use this for example for you, because it's, it's, it's how I've probably um, tried to, to do my life in all the years as an elected representative. I, I remember when I first got on the Ardsburg Council, I, I um, one of my colleagues, Simpson Gibson, would have been a sort of a, um, 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 a person who would have guided me in the early years back in 1985 when I first elected to the council. And he says, see that boy on the far side? He says, whenever you're speaking in this debate, do you want to win him over, or what do you want to do? Um, I looked at him, wondering what he meant. And I says, well, I suppose I want to, I want to win him over. He says, well, you're going to do that with sugar and not with vinegar. Uh, and, and, and I've always remembered it. My job every time is to convince someone to, to, to help them to understand where, where I'm coming from. Uh, and hopefully, uh, that they can give me uh, a good answer, number one. But secondly, uh, that I can then let my constituent know that and take that further. So the power of the chamber is, is having the ministers in place. It's having, um, the opportunity on a on a platform to 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 express your you and and I've used the the, the name Strangford so many times. I don't think there's any MP in the chamber doesn't know about Strangford. <laughs> I think everyone knows about Strangford, and I try and ensure everyone knows about Somerset too. It's the absolutely, I think, and you do it well. You thank do it you're, well. you're kind, <laughs> but you outgun me by a long way because in 2017 the Press Association study showed that you were the most active member in the chamber. Was this your aim when you got into Parliament, or did it just happen because you realised how useful the Chamber was? Um, whenever I was in the Council, uh, it was the only forum uh, that we had in Northern Ireland to bring things forward, so we used it as a forum to to, to do that. And I probably realised that we've got to use the forum where we're at. Uh, I used the Assembly for the same purposes. Um, I probably held the record for the most questions, probably the most contributions in the Assembly, because I feel the value of the council 
of the Northern Ireland Assembly and ultimately now the value of the House of Commons is that chamber to express your viewpoints on behalf of your constituents. Wonderful opportunity. I, um, if I use a question or if I get a good answer, whatever the answer I get um, in, in the chamber, I make sure that that constituent who brought that matter to my attention receives a copy of the answer where I ask the thing. I, I've always felt I, I do it for a purpose. I do it to help the constituents, and I hope that the answers that they get will help them. Now, we probably have to progress those answers uh, a wee bit more afterwards, and we're quite happy to do that. You can ask the question by by written form and by letter. Uh, it doesn't always get you the answer you want, but having the minister, you get an answer. And, 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 and also, I think, uh, Jacob, I, I think you've got to be nice to your ministers. Uh, personally, I, I, I try to do that with everybody, even though I may not agree with everyone's um, political persuasions. But I, I feel to get to progress and to get the answers you want, you've got to be uh, nice to people, you know, with sugar and not vinegar. I think that's absolutely right. And it's a key to political life that um, sugar is a much better inducement than, than vinegar. Um, but you provide sugar even in adjournment debates, whereas most members don't get involved in adjournment debates unless they've got the debate itself. Um, why do you think other members overlook them so much when you've got the minister there, you've got the officials in the box, uh, and do any of them particularly stand out in your memory where you've found that things have changed through the adjournment debate? I, I, again, I'm always seeking opportunities to to uh, ask questions. And, and if there's an adjournment debate, uh, by and large, uh, I can use uh, and give an example of Strangford in that there and some of my constituents' problems. Uh, I would do that and do that regularly. Um, I, um, I, I think our day doesn't end, Jacob. I think our day doesn't end until the adjournment debate is over. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's, I, I, everybody does things their own way. It's not a criticism. It's an observation. Uh, I think the, the adjournment debate gives me that opportunity. Um, I've had an opportunity just uh, this year to, to do the St. Patrick's Day. I've always wanted to do a St. Patrick's Day adjournment, uh, and, 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 and we did that this year. And, and we had a, a fantastic turnout of other members who, I think, to be honest with you, were coming to intervene in me to get their own back. Um, uh, but but uh, <laughs> but that, that was wonderful. Uh, um, I, I've, I also do feel this, and I, and I genuinely mean this. If, if a person has an adjournment debate, which might be a very specific thing for for their own area, but it, the generalism is it is it, it will apply to others. I go along to support members. Uh, and, and I do that regularly, and I always speak to the member beforehand and say, "Here's my intervention. Are you okay with this?" Because I'm not here to take away from what their 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 adjournment debate is. I'm here to add to their adjournment debate in a way that can help enable them to do that. Then, then the um, um, uh, and then the, the the other thing is then uh, that they they we have an opportunity to ask the member uh, those issues. So it's really wonderful to have that opportunity. The day doesn't end until the adjournment debate is over. Is over, and somebody has bellowed, all go home. And, and in these debates, um, and not just the adjournment debates, are there any that particularly stand out in your mind as ones that had a direct effect and changed things quite quickly? Um, I, I certainly can think of examples of that. I can even think of a case when I wrote to a particularly difficult company saying that if they didn't look after my constituent, I would ask for an adjournment debate and merely asking for one got the answer I wanted after some time of, of getting fobbed off. And I just wondered if there are any examples you can think of where 
the, the, the debate and the consequence have followed quite directly. Um, I, I, I can think of one offhand. Uh, I have to say, Jacob, in all honesty, that, that, that whenever I do use the opportunity in the, in the chamber, I can then show that to the minister back home or, 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 or pursue it through the, the minister who has responsibility at, at the House of Commons. Um, Helen Grant would have been a minister and I put forward an amendment to the gambling bill way back in, I think, 2012 or 2013. Um, I, Helen spoke to me about it. Uh, she says, Jim, we can't support you and your amendment you put forward, but uh, let it go to the House of Lords. It'll come back probably with what you want, uh, and, and, and then we will accept it. Now, that's what she told me. Um, I, I learn the procedure, process, how things work. Um, the Labour Party uh, backed me, and we did put it forward, but we didn't win it in the House of Commons that day. It went to the House of Lords, it came back, amended, and then became law. So I have to say, yes, I've had something I can point to specifically that has helped. But there's lots of other things. That, I mean, every time you get an opportunity to speak, it's a chance to ask that question and get that answer. And, and I suppose uh, uh, coming from Northern Ireland, as we have, um, uh, there's, there's lots of things um, um, that are in our history that we probably... We'll never forget, Jacob, and that's a fact. So I've had the opportunity in the adjournment debates and other things to recall the names of those who uh, uh, gave their lives for liberty, for democracy, for freedom uh, in, in, in the uh, uniform of Queen and Country. Uh, so those are, are, are very poignant occasions. Uh, I find them um, incredibly uh, personal. Uh, and and uh, I, I've sometimes had difficulty uh, expressing myself in the in the chamber because um, uh, those matters are so real. Uh, you know, I have a personal interest as well in the in, in the persecution of Christians. You, I, I know you do because I'm very yeah. glad that you raise it so regularly. Um, and as you were mentioning, Fiona Bruce does as well. And I think that's been very powerful in reminding the government of its broader duty. I, I think uh, that's another thing I, I just want to say, Jacob, as well, that, that we, we, we um, whenever I first got elected, and, and, and Naomi and I talked about it, um, I, I honestly, and I mean this truthfully to you, um, I, I um, uh, very clearly believed uh, uh, that, uh, that uh, I, I sought prayerfully to know whether um, uh, my Lord and Saviour wanted me to be at Westminster. Uh, I, I, I didn't say, yes, I'm going to do that. I, I, I wanted to know, did the Lord want me to do it? Uh, and, and, and whenever I got that answer from him, then I knew that's where I was to be. And uh, the only I talked it over, and, and we always wanted to bring the issue of the persecution of Christians uh, to the floor of the chamber. And we did that as a party back in 2012. Um, things have moved on. I'm very, very pleased that the Bishop of Truro's report, we had an input into that. Um, uh, the, the, the government have, have, uh, uh, I think have brought in 17 of the 21 uh, recommendations and the other four will be brought in uh, so I'm, I'm greatly encouraged I'm greatly encouraged that the, that the uh, FCO or SCO and Diffidency are now together um, 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 that the ministers uh, bring these matters to the attention of governments wherever they may be um, uh, my duty as a Christian as, as, as you know uh, uh, Jacob is, is, is to speak up for our brothers and sisters across the world. But I also learned something else, Jacob, and I think it's really important as well. When I'm the chair of the APPG for Freedom of Religious Belief, uh, I speak up for Christians, but I speak up for those 
who aren't Christians. And I speak up for those who have no faith at all because uh, my Lord and Saviour, your Lord and Saviour, uh, uh, loves everyone. And he's a, we have a job and a duty to speak up for them. So I've learned that over the years through my human rights issues, but also uh, as a Christian, uh, that others have a right to express themselves. Will it be the Uyghurs, Muslims in China? Will it be Falun Gong in China? Will it be the Shias, uh, the Hindus, uh, the Coptic Christians, uh, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, um, and the Latter-day Saints? All those people have a right to worship their God in the way they want. And I will be, and I know you will be as well, Jacob, will be their spokesperson in that chamber and will continue to do that. Well, I entirely agree with you. And the recognition that God values every soul is of fundamental yeah. importance to, I think, what both of us believe. But I yeah, think yeah. it's also your, your faith is very influential in your political practice because, as you were saying, you like to get on with people from other parties and you do that very successfully. I, I just wondered if in your parliamentary working you found that cross-party activity has been extremely powerful and important and both how... You've involved yourself in that because of your Christian understanding of the value of every individual, uh, but also, realistically, your political understanding that you achieve more if you work with others. Um, yeah, I, I, one of your colleagues asked me last week there, or not, sorry, the week, it was last week actually, at Westminster, he says, how do you get on with some of the other um, members from Northern Ireland, I said, I get on extremely well with them because I have a very simple uh, simple rule and the rule is uh, that they've got a mandate, they have a right to be here, uh, whatever their uh, political um, persuasion will be. Uh, we, we have many differences uh, on the constitutional issues, uh, but I, I believe that, that when it comes to social issues and, and, and it comes to the ordinary bread and butter issues that, that we're on the same page. And I always remember this story as well, if you don't mind me saying it, Jacob. It goes back to the Northern Ireland Assembly. So remember, we, we, in 1998, we got the Assembly up and running. And, and we had two people. I mean, I, I came a journey, a political journey where, 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 uh, where I, I, um, um, had a better understanding of other people's um, aspirations, which may be very different from my own. Um, and I remember we, we had the, um, uh, I was in the, 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 the um, uh, Department of uh, Leisure, uh, Culture and Leisure, uh, and, and I was in that committee, and the chair of that committee was a fellow called uh, uh, Barry Michael Duff. And I went through that first committee uh, meeting, and I said to myself, you know something, this is going to work if I, if we, if we, you know, retreat into our trenches and, and I'm a unionist and he's a nationalist. So I ended up and I shook his hand, put my hand out, shook his hand. And I says, Barry, I just want to tell you, you and I will never agree on the constitutional position of Northern Ireland. You'll be wanting United Ireland and I'll be doing my best to make sure you don't get it. Uh, but you know something? See your people, my people. We want the same things deep down on bread and butter issues. So in this chamber, and from now, I want to tell you, you've got my full support as chair and I did give him my full support and him and I got on well, even though we were constitutionally and politically and two different levels. Um, so I, I've tried to do that with everyone in the chamber. Um, I, I see them as individuals, uh, maybe uh, rather than as, as, as a political uh, party um, uh, label. Uh, and, I, and I get on very well with the, with the Scots Nats who, who, who I 
want them to be part of the great United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland forever. I keep on telling them that, 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 that I want my brothers and sisters from Scotland, the Gallic cousins, uh, to stay. I want the play comedy ones never to leave. Um, uh, and, and I think we, we have more that unites us uh, than, than, than divides us. So how do we get those things to, well, we work with each other. And when it comes to Westminster Hall or in the chamber, um, I will always respectfully disagree with someone. Uh, and I always say that I can, I am respectful, I always try to be respectful to the, to the honourable member, uh, that I may not agree with him or her. Um, but I do register their right to have an opinion. But we have many things that we can agree on. So it's all about getting on well with people. That's what life is. I don't think it's a, a, a an age thing, Jacob. I think it's an issue where I, th- I think we we all realise how can we better work together. Well, I know how we better work together. We get on with each other. Well, I I completely agree. And like you, I have a number of um, friends in the SNP that I often find they're absolutely charming in person, and they're always absolutely furious in the Chamber of the House of Commons. And it's sometimes <laughs> difficult to see the the two. Um, sides of the same character but you're also good at yeah, getting yeah. on with with ministers and i know value the relationship that you have to try and get better answers do you sometimes find that you get a better answer if you've warned the minister rather than trying to catch the minister out uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right now i have no intention whatsoever of catching any minister out. Um, I have a question in my mind that I want to ask. I say to myself, now, do you want to answer that question or do you want to, to annoy somebody? Well, I'm not going to annoy anybody. I, I'd rather have a question uh, given and an answer, which is very helpful. So, yes, I do. I, I, I will many occasions, especially when we've got this COVID-19 re- restrictions coming in, whenever a question was up, I will... Normally go over, I'll be truthful with you. Um, I, I give the minister my question in advance. Um, and, and, and then I get an answer, which I appreciate very much because that's the answer you want. Do you want to, to, to have a curt answer or do you want to help your constituents? Well, I want to help my constituents. And to do that, I, I, I feel it's right that the minister should have my question beforehand. I do that all the time. Well, c- certainly I find answering business questions, which can be on absolutely anything, that if it's a question that will help a constituent, I can probably get an answer from the relevant department if I'm given a few hours' notice. Whereas if I don't know it, if it's a sort of um, gotcha question, then uh, there's a sort of standard political reply. And I think you're absolutely right that depending on the purpose of the question and um, party political questions are perfectly legitimate. They're not unfair in any way. But that if it's to help a constituent, a little bit of notice can unlock something that's been a problem for, in some cases, some time. I'll also say, Jacob, whenever it comes to, to following up an issue on behalf of a constituent through the minister, um, um, I will not bring that issue to the floor of the house to embarrass anybody. Uh, I'd rather have a conversation in the, in the voting lobbies, um, in the chamber outside. Um, those are opportun- those are great opportunities. You don't know how just how important those opportunities are. I mean, that's a chance to have a minister, uh, who wants to help you. I mean, every minister wants to help you, not out to catch you out. They, they want to help you. Uh, and, 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 and we have to realize that. So yeah, I just think those opportunities are there. Use them to your benefit of your people. Uh, What 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 an opportunity. What a privilege. I think you'll say right. I think it's one of the glories of our constitution 
is that you can have a con constituent come to see you on a Saturday and raise an issue that you can raise potentially with the Prime Minister the following Wednesday. I don't think that's possible yeah. in any other country in the world. No, and it's, right. it's only possible via the Chamber of the House of Commons, which I think uh, you have shown remains of great value, not just of historic interest. So thank yeah. you, because yeah. we both have a love for the Constitution. We both have a love for yeah, the Chamber I of the House it. of Commons. And I think your contribution is phenomenal um, and is a model for other members of Parliament. So thank you for joining the podcast, but thank you also yeah, for being a real highlight of our Constitution. Well, the pleasure is the party mine. God bless you, uh, Jacob, and, and keep on doing what you're doing. Um, um, I, I, I find your contributions to the House uh, particularly warming for me personally, but I think your way that you interact with everyone is, is it gives you that great respect. So what a privilege, as long as our Lord and Saviour wants us to be here. Indeed, we'll be God here willing. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, and see you on Monday. And yes, I'll be well. God bless. Take thank care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. There is something tremendously enthusing about Jim's love of the Commons Chamber. In the next episode of Why Parliament Works, I'm looking forward to exploring the fascination that those in parliaments around the world have for the Palace of Westminster, and finding out more about the ways in which we share our commitment to parliamentary democracy with them. Until then, farewell.